Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about some tools that I use, different apps and just software in general. I'm just going to riff on that for a little bit. And then I'm going to answer some questions, some listener questions that came in, a couple emails, uh, some longtime friends of the show, and some other uh, just random people that I don't know at all that sent in questions too. So we're going to cover those. I do want to let you know, if you're listening to this episode during the week that is actually going live, you can check out my new course, Site Growth Plan. There's a discount this week until August 28th, 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, which probably a lot of people will, I think uh, the prices, not I think, I know the prices will be higher. It's just sort of special during the launch week here. And we're about midway through the week. Sales are uh, fine. I've heard some great feedback so far from the students that have enrolled. And shout out to uh, Gustavo. There is a a one-on-one coaching element depending on which package you order. And I talked to Gustavo this morning, went through some things with him on his site, had a couple uh, pointers and things to to go through. So people are enjoying the course and some other folks, uh, hopefully no one's not enjoying it. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen, but someone did have a couple issues with a, basically a Google Sheets formula and uh, through some troubleshooting, I figured out that whatever version of Google Sheets this person was using, they don't use commas in the formulas, they use semicolons. So I kept looking, I was like, why the fuck won't this thing work? I have no clue what the issue is. But um, as I was troubleshooting, I figured out that they're using semicolons, not commas. So uh, once I changed that, the formula worked and he's good to go at this point. So anyway, site growth plan, you can check it out if you're in a spot where your site has plateaued or you're looking to grow your site. It's not a end-to-end, you know, how to do this step-by-step from the very beginning. It's like you have a site and you need to figure out what to work on to grow it. So kind of action-packed, a little bit shorter, actually tremendously shorter than my other courses. So um, I'm excited to have more students in there. So check it out. All right. So as I was like working through uh, topics, which I can cover, and I'll be honest with you too, I've been recording these episodes very close to when they publish. In fact, you're listening to this on Thursday and I'm recording it on Wednesday. So I'm like really cutting it close. So I'm, I'm pushing them further out for certain episodes such as the interviews, but these I'm experimenting with recording them very close to the time that they publish, which I mean, it's fine, but oftentimes I do work very far ahead, you know, up to a month ahead. And as I was doing some of those episodes, I realized oh, it would be nice if I wasn't recording so far out so I can talk about things that are a little more timely. So I'm experimenting. I'm, this is kind of the extreme case. I mean, I'm recording it just the day before, but it's all good. Think, things are fine. So as I was going through different topics that I could cover, I was like, oh, you know, I haven't talked about tools and different things that I use. And these are very common questions. They come in a lot of different forms. So I honestly keep things fairly simple. I don't like to like start using a new tool just because it's out there. Generally, if I have a 
problem solved, if I have a system, a set of SOPs, standard operating procedures in place and things are fine, I'm not trying to go fix things that aren't broken. And that's one of the things that I'm, I bump into fairly often. People come up with tools and different like uh, solutions to problems that I've already solved. So one of my friends mentioned, hey, I got a, I got a new plugin that does X, Y, or Z. And I'm thinking, I solved that problem like five years ago. I don't need that plugin. Like, I, I don't want to experiment with it. I don't want to learn new things. Pretty sure I have this problem taken care of. It's not alarmingly better than the solution that I have in place. That's one of the things that I, I realized. Migrating to a new tool is going to break things. It's actually going to be a big pain in the ass. And I know that from my software implementation days, I mean, things break. You have unintended consequences that pop up, things that people didn't think about. And a lot of times with these WordPress plugins, it's incredibly fucking sloppy. I mean, people don't know how to test properly. I know there's a lot of software people out there. I just realized I got, I stood up onto a soapbox and I'm about to rant here, but a lot of, a lot of WordPress developers that don't have a strong software background or maybe they're just hiring freelancers from Upwork, you end up with an incomplete um, like testing procedure. So you have the developer doing the testing, maybe the founder or creator who's hiring the developer is doing some testing as well. And for the software people out there, you, you know that if you're the developer, you're gonna test it in a certain way. If you're the creator of the product, you are going to test it in a certain way. And what you really need is a moron like myself or many of the other morons that are out there, real users, that's what I'm saying. You need to have real users that don't have the same preconceived notions that um, people really close to the product have. So there's many different phases of testing. And I do find a lot of the WordPress products out there don't have a robust testing um like plan and it's fairly sloppy. So you may get several updates over and over and over again. So the whole point is I usually try not to switch um, software platforms, whether it's a WordPress plugin or a learning management system and LMS or whatever. I, I usually stick with the thing that is working well for me. And I'll start with the first tool, which is just a, a notepad a legal pad or a notebook and a pen. That system works pretty well for me. You don't have to worry about it crashing. It gets me away from a lot of the distractions. So for example, if I'm working on my laptop, I need to check something in an email. And next thing I know, I'm knee deep in some thread unrelated to, you know, whatever it is I'm working on. So pen and paper, solid. I, I mean, I use those every day. I have post-it notes all over the place as well. So it's a little sloppy at times, but I, I do prefer to work away from the machine as much as possible. I'll be a little more efficient as I'm going through the rest of these here, by the way. So I'm big on Google products in general. So I use Gmail exclusively. I funnel all of my different email accounts and other Gmail accounts into one inbox where I can label them accordingly and everything kind of just floods into one area. 
I also use Google Docs pretty heavily and Google Sheets. So I'm in I'm in both of those multiple times a day. I use Sheets for sorting through data, like you can imagine, but also is a light project management system where maybe I'm working with a writer. It's very easy to keep track of things in Sheets versus a more complicated solution. I also use Google Calendar, which again, everything's all integrated very well. So, you know, Google's software seems to be pretty solid. It's cloud-based, obviously, and it works really well for me. I also use, from like a meeting perspective, I actually prefer Skype. I know it's lost um, a handful of people over the over the years here, but Skype seems to be fairly solid whenever I use it. And the quality of the video seems to be much, much better than Zoom. So if I'm recording interviews for YouTube, typically Skype is going to have a much better video quality, higher resolution than Zoom. Zoom has improved over the past few months, but I know as the the pandemic was hitting, people were at home. As I was using Zoom a little bit more often, it was uh, just really low resolution. So I, th- I think maybe they upgraded it. I'm not really sure, but it does seem to be better than it was. And I recently used Google um, Meetings or Meet. I'm not sure what it what it is, but they've made that free and it's sort of integrated whenever you schedule a meeting in Google Calendar. So that means uh, sometimes people accidentally, I mean, they see the link in there when I've set up a meeting with them and then they'll use Google Meeting, whatever it's called. It seems to be fine. I mean, it generally looks like Google Hangouts. So you could share your screen, seems to be pretty robust. And I mean, Google could move data around. So it seems to be pretty good. Moving over to, I guess, more marketing-related areas, I use Aweber for email marketing, which I've been with them since I started Niche Site Project. They do a really great job with customer service and deliverability. Those are sort of the two huge things that they're known for. When I first got onto Aweber, they were a little bit behind as far as the the look of the interface. They were a little behind with tagging, automation, and some of the more sophisticated things that, um, you know, funnel, more funnel related email products were putting out. I'm not sure how I started that sentence and I didn't know how to end it, but basically Aweber was behind in a technological standpoint, but they've caught up over the last, I would say, three, four years, they're pretty much on par with any of the, you know, automation kind of software. If you're putting together a funnel, if you're running campaigns, you can send out broadcasts, you have an autoresponder, you can tag users, and it's a, a great system overall. Once you once you start using it, it's fairly straightforward. And a lot of my friends, they really like say active campaign or convert kit or drip or whatever, I I pretty much treat these like a commodity. It's like hosting or all these other different products that are out there. There's a very few where you're going to see a a huge difference in the functionality or the pricing. They're pretty much the same. I really don't care. I'm on a Weber. It'll be a pain to move off of there. I have, you know, 30 plus emails in my autoresponder, different campaigns. 
So it'll be a pain to move off there. However, I was thinking about moving over to Kajabi. So Kajabi is mostly a like learning management system, an LMS. However, they have funnels integrated. They have a payment system integrated. They have a membership sort of site integrated as well and email. So it was kind of a sexy proposition to be able to move everything over to a fully integrated environment, including email. However, as I was looking at Kajabi in their actual email marketing functionality, it looked like it wasn't as robust and not as awesome as I was hoping it was going to be. So I think for the time being, I'm probably going to stick with AWeber, even though it's costing an additional $150 per month for me to have that email marketing over there. But I think from a deliverability standpoint, that's one of the things that people sometimes get scared about. If you move from an email service provider like AWeber to another one, your deliverability may go up or down. Some companies have better uh, deliverability and I don't know, Google and other companies like their servers better. I'm not 100% sure the mechanism behind it, but the whole point is I was a little scared because I have pretty good open rates, pretty good deliverability, and you don't want to you know, screw that up because basically if my emails start hitting a spam folder, people don't see them. If they start going to a different tab on Gmail, so the promotions tab instead of the you know normal primary inbox, people may not see them or may not see them in a timely manner. So very important to have that deliverability in place. That said, Kajabi from a uh, just a funnel standpoint and putting my my course material on there has been fine. It seems to load quickly. The usability seems great. There. Customer service seems awesome as well. I mean, you could hop on a chat and people are answering your your questions right away. It is one of the more expensive learning management systems out there. I think uh, Teachable is a little cheaper. I think a few of the others are like significantly cheaper. But for what I, I'm trying to do and what I want to do, it looked like it was the sort of the best the best system to to work with. So. Fingers crossed it'll it'll work well. And now that I'm thinking about it, if I'm not going to move my emails over there, I don't know if it would have been better to go with something like Teachable, but Kajabi's working pretty good so far. And that's all I need. I just want something I don't have to uh, think about too hard and it just works. So for that, seems very good. Moving on to other sort of like email related areas. I use Optin Monster for my email capture. I I think they raised the rates pretty significantly in the last few years. I feel like they doubled it. So like one one year it was, I don't know, $150. The next year it was like, you know, 300 something. So I can't remember exactly, but it, I think maybe they were underpriced for a little while. They do have great pop-ups. The the systems seem to work really well. You can you know have a pop-up based on the amount of time that someone's on the the page. 
They can have uh, pop-ups for people that went to two or three pages on your site and a variety of other things. You have exit intent pop-ups and all those sort of things. I usually keep it pretty, I don't love pop-ups, so I try to keep those kind of to a minimum. And I definitely prefer a two-step opt-in. That's where someone clicks on a link or a button and then the pop-up is, um, then the pop-up shows up. So basically someone's asking to see the pop-up which is what you want. You don't want to throw throw uh, like a form in someone's face when they're trying to read something. I hate that when that happens to me. So I prefer to have them ask for the pop-up and then you end up with what I believe is a better user experience and hopefully a better conversion rate and more my style of marketing where it's not in your face. It's more like, hey, if you want this extra stuff, you can get it. So the downside with Optin Monster that I've, I struggle with is it seems to load slowly. It slows my site down quite a bit. If I didn't have an opt-in monster in there, I think my site would load like 75% faster. And it's due to the scripts that they load. I'm not sure if I've had maybe some poor implementation as I've created some of these forums or as they have changed their platform. Maybe I have some old legacy forums that are you know bigger and bulkier than the newer ones. I'm not really sure. At some point, I actually created a a ticket and had a senior developer go from Optin Monster, like check out why certain things were loading the way they were, and they had to fix them for me. So there was some issue, and I believe it was one of those legacy forms essentially loading stuff that didn't need to be loaded. All that to say, it does suck because it slows my site down a little bit. And that said, I do need to give a shout out to Ezoic, one of the sponsors of the show. And they have the Site Speed Accelerator, which ties in exactly with what I was talking about. And it helps your site load faster. There's a free seven day trial for the Site Speed Accelerator. And they guarantee that you'll get a score of 80 or higher on the Google PageSpeed Insight score. I think I said score too many times there, but you should check it out. Essentially, it makes it easier for you to take advantage of uh, caching, CDN, and a handful of other things, optimizing the CSS, minifying the HTML, all all those good things that are kind of a pain in the butt to take care of. So do check out the SiteSpeed Accelerator. There is a link in the description of the, the podcast here. So some of the other tools that I use are Ecamm Live. So that is a tool that I I kind of waited to start using, but that is an awesome, awesome piece of software. So I use Ecamm Live for YouTube live streaming, and I've been using it just to shoot video and do screen shares for you know work that I'm doing. So Ecamm Live ties into a few different areas. You can actually live stream, of course, on YouTube, but you can also live stream on Facebook into Facebook groups. And I'm actually going to pull up Ecamm Live because I can't remember all the integrations. You can go to Periscope and Twitch as well. There's a few different integrations um, where you can like multicast to different places at the same time. I have not experimented with that, but those are, you know, additional add-ons. Ecamm Live also, this is the big thing. It allows you to 
hook up a DSLR or other more sophisticated camera, not just a webcam, via USB to your machine so that you're able to have ultra high quality video. And it's a huge difference. People have complimented my just webcam image. And then when I switch over to my DSLR, it's like a different beast. I mean, it looks so good, super professional looking and really brings it up to a different level, especially I had a, a Zoom call with some folks this morning and one or two of us had, you know, pretty nice webcams we're using. One person had, I mean, it was worse than a phone. I don't know what what kind of computer is using, but it's like the worst quality webcam. Obviously, it's fine for whatever it is that he's doing, but I hope his course is like he's using a DSLR and a better a better camera because it just looked it looked really terrible. So, Ecamm Live, pretty awesome. Check it out if you're trying to do live streams. It will definitely up your game. There's a lot of other functionality that you can take advantage of as well. But the DSLR is like the big thing for me. I was familiar with Ecamm previously because they had a Skype integration for, uh, well, it's Ecamm call recorder. So it allows you to record from Skype, which is typically what I was doing before. However, Ecamm Live gives you the functionality to bring on Skype guests. So I can you know, bring on a Skype guest over on YouTube or any of the live streams I do or you could just record it. So that's actually what I've been doing recently for my my videos and interviews on YouTube. I'll use Ecamm Live. That way I can switch cameras and bring on a guest, but not go live. I just record it to my local hard drive here. I also use ScreenFlow. Um, Both of these apps that I'm mentioning are for Macs only. So ScreenFlow is a, a screen capture Um, piece of software. It also allows you to do video editing. So if I do any video editing, it's in ScreenFlow. And I've been using ScreenFlow since since the beginning, I believe 2013 or so, 2014 maybe. But it's a a great piece of software. It gives you a lot of uh, flexibility. You can do some, you know, more sophisticated effects. It actually has a pretty good audio um, mastering and and filtering sort of uh, setup. I don't know how to describe that exactly. Basically, when I record a video, I can remove background noise, equalize the levels, and basically make it sound better. All And it's all in this video editing software. So ScreenFlow, pretty awesome. I, um, I recently started recording some videos in 4K. So it'll handle that as well, at least the, the latest version of ScreenFlow. I also use GarageBand for podcasts. So depending on what I'm recording, if I do need to do some editing or I'm pulling together some other stuff, I might use GarageBand. On a day like today, where I'm just recording directly into the recorder, I don't use GarageBand. I'll, I'll just record right into my Zoom H4n and then I will upload it over to Auphonic. So Auphonic is a another tool that I use. It's a web-based audio mastering sort of uh, application, and it'll remove the hum, it'll equalize the levels, and just generally make your audio sound good. 
It'll treat audio files, which is great. And then once it's processed, it will potentially upload it to different places that you need it to go. For example, I can send it to YouTube with the thumbnail or the, the podcast art. So it'll just go over to YouTube and it'll be the audio file. Or you can send it to you know, Dropbox, Google Drive, wherever you want it to go. It will also treat the audio for video files. So I was chatting with um, a friend recently. She had quiet audio for her YouTube videos. I told her, hey, just use Auphonic. It'll clean all that up. She was, you know, she doesn't have a big camera. She's just recording on her phone. So basically she will be able to upload a video to Auphonic. It will clean up the audio and put it back on the video. So pretty cool functionality. And again, you can go directly to YouTube from there. You could download the file, whatever. It's a relatively inexpensive piece of software. I think I pay just say 10 to $15 for about 10 hours of audio processing, which is plenty for my, my monthly needs as far as, you know, doing these podcasts or any, any other sort of video audio mastering that I need to do kind of related as far as automation. And that's a cool thing with Auphonic is they do have the automated delivery of the files. There's a handful of things that you can do with Auphonic, which is pretty cool to just help the processing. So it, it really removes a lot of the, the heavy lifting here. And one, one cool thing before I move on to the next tool, I just remembered on a file in a podcast like today. So I'm recording here on the recorder. I will upload it to Auphonic and I actually have an intro and outro on Auphonic that blends together. So as Auphonic is processing this audio file, it'll put on the intro and the outro music and fade it out and it works really well. So I literally just record it on here and then I don't have to put the music or anything else. It just sounds good on the other side. Moving on, I do use Zapier. I used to say it wrong. I used to say Zapier, but I think it's Zapier. So I used to say the wrong thing. And if you haven't used it before, it's a very like awesome tool because you could integrate almost any app. So not every app, but there's a ton of them. There's hundreds, maybe even thousands of apps that can fit together. So what you're able to do is automate things in a pretty efficient way where you can rely on them happening. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. I have a Google form where people can hire me and they fill out the form. And I would not necessarily know that someone has filled out the form unless I get some sort of notification. So the way I have it set up is someone fills out the form and it will trigger via Zapier and then it will send me an email with the information so I could follow up with the person. Instead of an email, I could have it create a Trello card, for example, or I can have it text me or any number of you know different ways for me to be notified. You can integrate like YouTube, like if I publish a YouTube video, it'll share it over on my Facebook profile. So there's a lot of different little things where you could just automate. If something happens over here, it'll trigger something to happen elsewhere on another app. So pretty effective. I'm not sure if I 
explained it super well, but when when you start integrating different apps together, you you realize, oh, these don't talk to each other at all. We need to have a way for these to work together. Otherwise, we're relying on some manual process, which potentially could be easy to forget or mistakes can be made. If you go poke around on Zapier, you'll see all the different apps that can talk together and all that sort of thing. Another great example is I'm probably going to keep using Aweber and I'm going to use Kajabi. Kajabi will have people on there that are students that have have enrolled in courses. It will be very helpful for me to know on Aweber who has purchased what course. So I don't send them emails to buy a course that they already have. That's kind of dumb. That's a waste. And it's kind of annoying. So I will try not to do that as much as possible. So a great way to do it is I can have a Zap set up for whenever a student enrolls in Kajabi, they'll be tagged over on Aweber. So I'll I'll know if someone enrolls in a specific course because they have a tag on their record in Aweber. So that's a perfect example of using uh, Zapier. I got a cough here. So that's a perfect example of using a couple systems together that have no no native integration for the information that I need to pass through. So Zapier is going to be the the perfect way to do it. And I mean, really, there's no other alternative other than pulling a report once a month or every two weeks and then manually comparing things, which is, I mean, no one wants to do that. That's super boring, mistake prone, and, you know, just not efficient. And I'll wrap it up with Trello. So I use Trello to manage the content over on YouTube and for the podcast here. So I have a virtual assistant, more like an executive assistant who helps with a lot of the admin stuff. So her and I work together using Trello. And I also have a video editor who also helps me with the podcast editing if it's necessary. So she also works in there with us. So I have a couple, a few boards over there. And just generally, I like the the layout and the way Trello works. It's very easy to show new people how to use it. Both of the assistants that I mentioned, they never used Trello before, but I would told them, hey, go watch a couple of videos, uh, poke around, create a board, and they pretty much got it within a few minutes. I didn't have to do any formal training which is great, right? Trello is simple enough to use where you don't have to spend a lot of time showing someone what to do. There's not a lot of big processes going on, but for for content management and just moving through, moving a piece of content through the process, it's a very effective way and easy, easy to see, you know, where a certain piece of content is. So... Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Some people like Asana and some other tools, but Trello seems to be the one that I've gravitated towards over the past few years. So now I that's kind of my go-to at this point. I didn't put together a specific set of links for all these different uh, tools, but if you go to nichesiteproject.com slash resources, 
most or all of them will be listed there plus a few others. I realized um, there's a few of the products that I mentioned that I actually could be an affiliate for, but I haven't signed up for their program yet. So I may I may hop in and do that for a couple of the tools. But definitely, if you want to go a little deeper, check out some of the specifics that I mentioned, you can go to nichesiteproject.com slash resources. Let's move on to the Q&A segment, which is brought to you by Niche Website Builders. They sponsor this segment. And they're the hands-off, one-stop shop affiliate affiliate marketing agency. I, I struggle with the multiple syllable words. It's a I need to rephrase this one. So they're the hands-off, one-stop shop affiliate marketing agency you always wish existed. And now they do exist, and they're run by affiliate marketers. They weren't happy with some of the services that were out there, so they created their own. And they have a strong sort of corporate background, building big systems, big teams, and that's precisely what they're doing. They're doing a great job over there. And I've personally purchased 20,000 words of content from them. It was excellent. They drafted in WordPress for me. I just took a quick look and hit publish. They're also working on a shotgun skyscraper technique situation for me, a campaign. It's so early in the process, I don't have anything to share yet, but hopefully I will soon. So let's move on to the questions. First, this one came in in sort of a weird sideways area. So this is, uh, we'll we'll call it uh, Rob. So Rob sent me a chat over on uh, like a sales page that I have. He says, I started a YouTube channel to test the waters on affiliate marketing, but I have no clue if I did it correctly. I lost my job recently and I'm 47 and I was making almost 100K a year, but now nothing. They didn't come out and say that they let me go for X, Y, and Z, but um, you know, I'm suspect. Just, uh, so he says, yeah, he's like, He actually said, blah, 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 insert sub story here. So he gets the irony. He says, I need to start somewhere before I end up, um, you know, out of my house and kind of in a bad position. We're on the tight budget. I'm totally lost. Any advice? So basically, this guy was doing pretty good, almost making 100K. He's 47. He's like, hey, I want to make money online. I think he found some people talking about affiliate marketing on YouTube. So I told him basically, you know what? You need to do some freelancing. You need to work and get paid quickly. If you're strapped for cash, affiliate marketing or anything where you're building a site where it's going to take a while to get traffic, or if you're starting a YouTube channel and it'll take a while to get some traction or a podcast, Any of those, anything that is going to take you, you know, six months or a year or two years to get traction, it's it's not what you need right now. It's just, it's too much. If you happen to be, let's say you happen to be a film director and a videographer, all right, a YouTube channel, you may be able to shortcut things a little bit. If you maybe are a professional writer and you've been writing on the web for years, then maybe if you start a blog, you can shortcut the process a little bit. Rob 
he doesn't know anything here. He He's a complete beginner. He's not sure if he's done anything right. And I, I told him, hey, go to Upwork. Basically, you need to figure out what you can do, like what service you can provide, and then do it. I also said, I don't know much about getting started on Upwork. I've hired a lot of people, but you need to go find someone who is a freelancer who could tell you how to put together your your profile there, how to bid on jobs and just get experience and, and move forward. Or you can go to Fiverr, right? It, it doesn't really matter, but you need to go to a place where there's a market already, people that want to work with people like you. So you don't want to try to create things from scratch. You do need to go to a marketplace so that you can just hit the ground running. The big problem with affiliate marketing on YouTube or otherwise is it's going to take a while to get that traction. So you may you may be able to create a viral video and, and things really take off for you, but 99.999 people are not going to do that. And it's, it's hard. It's a grind. I mean, I am, I was chatting with a couple friends who have very big YouTube channels just the other day. And we're like, man, yeah, we're, we're hoping we can like get a little traction. And we've been collectively, you know, we've been doing it for several years. Like we kind of have our head around it and we do have, um, significant audiences and people listen to us, but it's still hard. We're still trying to figure out like how to grow a little faster because we're just grinding it out essentially. So Rob and other people like you, you know, feel for you definitely, you know, lost your job. A lot of people are going through, you know, rough times, but I would say if you need money quick, do a service, do a service. You can do it you know, physically in your local location. I've talked about this um, multiple times where I, I cut grass, right? I, when I was a kid, I cut grass. And um, luckily, I've not had to go and do that as a service around here. But that would be a go-to. I mean, just w- go around and show people that you're willing to work. People want to help you out if you're trying to go out there and do a good job. So, Rob, good luck. Next question coming in. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead to a non-question. So Martin sent me this email a couple of days ago, and the subject line is this: feedback on ads. He says, I'm eight minutes into your podcast and I'm still talking about ads. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, that sucks. I, I didn't think I I didn't think I talked that long for ads for eight minutes. I mean, that's really long. So I said, hey, man, Martin, what what episode is that? He replied back um, a little bit later. He says, hey, Doug, apologies. I guess I spaced out for a few seconds there. It was the episodes about the pros and cons of Amazon affiliate marketing. And it has a a two-minute plug for um, Ezoic. And then after that, it goes back talking about the pros and cons. I missed a few seconds and felt like I was listening to an ad about a plugin and then Amazon Prime. So he thought I was... He thought the content was actually the ad because I was talking about Amazon. So he says, apologies, um, this this podcast is much needed as I'm building an affiliate site and I'm new to it. So I don't mind ads in general. I just skip forward as long as there's new content and it's uh, great. So keep up the good work. But I thought it was funny because I was like, oh man, I, 
I don't want to have that many ads, you know, a couple ads here and there, especially if it's helpful. I think that's okay. You got to pay the bills, right? And what I try to do is like this particular, um, this particular Q&A segment is uh, you can't get away from, I mean, this is a sponsored segment. So it's all, it's all content. This is helpful, hopefully. And, you know, you don't know when the ad is running or when it's finished or whatever. So that's, that's my intent. I want it to be valuable and helpful. So I want to hide the ads in here within the content. So we hardly even know it. Try to do some smart ad placement. So moving on to the last question here for the niche website builders Q and a segment. This is from Amin. He says, Hey, I hope you're doing well. And he sent in a voicemail, by the way, if you, you missed it in the past, but it means a longtime listener of the show he says he's been addicted to it, addicted to the show. That's fantastic. So he says uh, he has a site and it's been more than 18 months and he has 260 articles and 45,000 page views and is earning about a thousand bucks on average. I know that for the traffic that I'm getting, I could be earning more and I just need to figure out ways to do so. And actually, I mean, you should probably check out my course, man. Could be helpful. So recently he started a new site and he has 12 posts and he doesn't know, um, let's see. Oh, he says, I'm not sure how to monetize it um, exactly, but I know I can get traffic and I'm looking forward to it. So the question is this. Do I recommend that you start a new Amazon associate account for the site or just use the current account that I already have? So thanks for the time and looking forward to the answer. In my, this is what I usually do. People will send me these uh, wonderful questions and then I send back as short of an answer as I possibly can just to save time. So I, I said, um, just create a new tracking ID for the new site and add the site to the list on your Amazon associate account. That's the answer, but I could elaborate a little bit here, of course. So essentially you have the ability to create, I can't remember how many, but multiple, several tracking IDs with your Amazon associate account. So that's the easiest way to do it. I, I mean, you could use different tracking IDs on the same site, but the key thing is you should put the site in your website list. I think it's listed as websites and apps. So if you just list it there, I think you may have to answer one question that says, is this site intended for minors or people under a certain age? Again, it depends on what country and what associate program you're dealing with. But I think in the US, you do have to say this is a site for people uh, over that are not minors, essentially. I don't know the phrasing, but that's the main idea. And then you could just take that tracking ID and use it for the new site. And that's it. You don't have to do anything else. That's it. That's all you got to do. So pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty easy to take care of. So shout out to niche website builders and you can save 10% or get 10% more content depending on what you're ordering from niche website builders. Highly encourage you to check them out. I've had a great experience with them so far and I think they're sort of making waves. You may have heard them on some other podcasts out there as well. So I think I'm going to call it a day. I've been, um, 
been fasting. So I'm a little bit hungry and I was debating whether I should eat lunch before I record this or go ahead and record it. And a lot of times I get a little tired, you know, after, after lunch, after I have some food, get a little, little more, I don't know if sleepy is the right word, but I don't want to talk as much. So I figured I'm going to drink some coffee and then record this and then I can eat. So I'm starving right now. I can't wait to get to my lunch. Have a great day out there. Don't forget, check out Site Growth Plan if you are interested in getting more traffic and earning more money from your site. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it and I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.